Welcome to Feeling and the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And with me today, as always, is a producer and moderator of the podcast, Ramin Forgani. Ramin, it is time for the Elite Eight. This is our GHSA Boys Elite Eight preview. We got a lot of games to cover, so we need to dive right into it. Yes, we do. We're going to get every single Elite Eight game on the boys' side today. It's 32 games across eight classifications. So without further ado, Class 7A, top left quadrant, number three, Newton, at number one, Milton. Uh, This is going to be a game predicated on guard play uh, with Caleb Bird, who is going to Georgia Southern, Sean Smith, and also uh, TJ Clark, the big three over there at Newton is going to have to have a really good game. Um, they just came off a 74-65 win over Westlake, while Milton beat North Cobb 72-57. to With that being said, Newton, uh, throughout the season, they've been so up and down. They've had some really good results, but then they would kind of, you know, fall off and get beat by. I know Grayson's really good, but losing by 40 points to them. Um, they're, they're a hot and cold team, and obviously they're – they're, they're playing well right now, but Milton's been consistent all throughout the season with Bruce Thornton, Ken Carlisle, Evan Hurst, uh, and, and they've seen some of the elites throughout the year. So uh, even though Newton also has, uh, coming out of a strong Region 8, I think Milton is definitely uh, the more complete team, the stronger team. Um, Newton does have uh, some more experience. Uh, Milton's still on the, on the younger side of things, um, but Milton... At home, a number one seed going to win since number three seed, Newton. Uh, I'm going with Milton. Also on the left side, a couple of one seeds, Berkmore at Wheeler. So Berkmore has to travel uh, to Wheeler, and Wheeler, uh, they beat Shiloh 65-64 in overtime, uh, and then Berkmore demolished Kennesaw Mountain 83-46. to um, Again, this is a game that's going to come down to the post play. Wheeler loves to punch it inside, and I'm going to keep saying the same thing. Um, but with Sam Hines and Jaheim Hudson, those are the two horses inside um, for Wheeler. Uh, and I thought Shiloh would have enough size to kind of slow them down. It was, you know, it was a one-point game in overtime, so it was a really nip-and-tuck game. Now, you're going up against Berkmar, who can throw 6'10", Malik Ewan, and about 6'8", 6'9", Jalen Deloach, two guys extremely long. Uh, can block a lot of shots inside and can give them um, some fits. Um, it's you know other than the post play, uh, guard play is going to be big. I know Berkmar was knocking down some threes. Elijah Wood, uh, Fat Hill, all those guys are going to have to play really well uh, and knock down some shots. I think Berkmar might have a little bit more depth at the guard uh, position, considering Isaiah Collier is still hurt for Wheeler. Uh, but Prince Davies, Javon Gamry, guys like that are really going to have to step up for Wheeler in this game. Um, with the game being at Wheeler, with Wheeler playing really well right now, um, and I, I think Sam Hines and Jaheim Hudson are very skilled inside, and they can score, and you know they could step out to 15 feet and do damage that way as well. Um, Berkmar's really good, but if Wheeler... You know, Wheeler's been a, a team that can really kind of slow you down and get you to play offense in the half court. And Berkmar, you know, Berkmar can execute, but if they're not hitting their shots from the perimeter, it might be a little bit tougher for them to execute the games at Wheeler. Um, it's a team with some some veterans on that roster. Uh, I think 
I'm going with Wheeler in this one. Um, I know Burkmar is going to have a lot of size, and they're, they're going to be able to hurt him. Um, but I think just Hudson and Hines are so tough, and they've scored against you know bigger players throughout the season. They're really good. Uh, I'm going to go with Wheeler at home. On the right side, a rematch of a heavyweight matchup, Norcross at Grayson. So Norcross and Grayson, they meet again. We were there last year when Norcross uh, took care of Grayson in the Sweet 16, 68-53. And uh, Ian Shefflin only had about four points that game and maybe like three rebounds. Well, Ian Shefflin's a completely different player now. Obviously, you slide in Caleb Murphy and you also slide in Tenari Lane. Um, Grayson's a top five team in the nation. And they've played like it all year long. They've been uh, extremely good. They've been handling their business. Uh, just got a 67-54 win over Pebble Brook. Um, Norcross, they, they, after a slow first quarter, they, they beat Hillgrove 67-27. Um, but still, with Norcross, sometimes sometimes they can play down to the level of competition. Well, in this case, they're going to be having to play up to the level of competition. So you can kind of throw that out of the, uh, out of the uh, you know, out of potential factors here because uh, these are two really good games. So I believe Norcross is going to come in extremely focused. But again, I believe it's going to be the guard play. I think Grayson has better guard play. Kayla Murphy, Davon Smith, and if you want to consider him a guard, Tanari Lane, those big three right there compared to Jaden Harris. Um, Quincy and McCoy is more of a, a small forward, but you throw him in the mix. I just think that, uh, the guard play is going to be the big difference maker in this game. And if you're looking at guard play, Grayson has to have the advantage. Um, you know, JT Thor was a region player of the year in region seven for Norcross. He's real big. He's long. Josh Taylor as well. Um, they're going to be able to attack the glass. But um, Shefflin is a different player. Like I said, he's tough. He can control the paint uh, well enough. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be a really good game. But I think just deciding factor – if it's a close game, going down the wire, uh, going down to the wire, Grayson has more guard play, and I trust him now. Kavon Eskridge could get hot and knock down some threes for Norcross, um, but Grayson, you know, getting this game at home, um, they're going to have a lot of revenge. They're playing for a lot, a lot right now. You know, it's it's going to be a really special atmosphere. I expect everybody to be there, um, but I'm I'm going with Grayson. I think Grayson's a better team. Norcross. Um, it's it's probably gonna make headlines, but it is interesting um, that you know Norcross. You know we get tweeted at sometimes. Why is it Norcross ranked higher and this, that, and the other? Norcross is really good, um, and they played a national schedule. But sometimes looking at Grayson, they played teams from out of the state, but they've also played some of the best teams in the state. Um, Norcross has played. You know, they played Tucker. They beat Tucker 72-63. to 63. That was a nice win. They beat Green Forest by three. Green Forest is up and down. And, you know, obviously they, they beat Burkmar a handful of times, and they beat Sandy Creek really early in the season. Um, but I just think that uh, Grayson is a stronger team all throughout the year, uh, and I think they're going to be able to pull it out. But I think it's going to be a really good game. And, um, you know, this is a big, the big test for Grayson. Norcross is definitely – the team to beat as far as, you know, if you want to be the best, uh, you got to beat the best. And Norcross has been the, the golden standard in Gwinnett County for a long time. Um, but again, if, if, if any year Grayson's going to finally usurp them and get to the top, um, you got to be the best team in your county. And for them to do that, they have to beat Norcross. And I think this could be the year that Grayson does. And I think Grayson advances. 
And finally, in Class 7A, McEachern travels to North Gannett. Uh, a uh, very uh, interesting one here. North Gwinnett, again, a team that never was sniffing the top ten. I mean, gosh, they were 6-6 six and six in Region 6, and Region 6 was not – I'm sorry, Region 6 wasn't very good this year. Um, but they got hot at the right time, and now they're playing a McEachern team that, again, is just – this isn't last year's McEachern team. I mean, they struggled to put away South Forsyth 59-53. to 53. Uh, North Gwinnett won in double overtime, 66-65 against East Coweta. Um, North Gwinnett is going to get this game at home. That is going to be a big deal. I think North Gwinnett, uh, with their size, with Jared Ivey protecting the rim, um, and, and they got some good guard play and some good wings as well. J.R. Martin, uh, Brendan Rigsby, uh, R.J. Godfrey, who's been really coming on strong. Uh, McEachern is... Um, you know, it's Sharif Cooper and everyone else is, you know, they give you a couple points here and there. But the constructed team they tried to put together this year hasn't turned out to be um, nearly what they were last year. They just don't have enough size. And with the big fella never getting eligible, that hurts them. And they can get dominated in the paint. And Jared Ivey's not necessarily, you know, a fantastic, you know, superstar offensive player. He's definitely more defensive minded. But Jared Ivey's going to give them a lot of problems in the low post. Uh, he's going to be able to clean up some misses and score around the basket. Uh, I think North Gwinnett's going to come in with a really good game plan. I think they got home court advantage. They've been playing hot. Um, you know, if absolutely peaked at the right time, McEachern still can sometimes just go through the, uh, you know, go through the motions. Now they could wake up and they could come out and they could crack uh, North Gwinnett because they have enough talent to do so. But it's hard to flip on the switch this time of year. North Gwinnett has them at home. And, you know, with that size inside with Ivy protecting the rim and being able to score around the basket on cleanup opportunities, I'm going with North Gwinnett to knock off McEachum. And you mentioned earlier that North Gwinnett is a home team in a matchup of one seeds. That's via the universal uh, coin flip that the GHSA did a couple of days ago. And the top uh, team in the brackets for each game will be hosting the home, the home game. So the universal coin flip decides that for all classifications. Down to Class 6A, top left, Tri-Cities at Tucker. I was at the Tucker game uh, against Alatoona in the last round. It was, what, 57-43. Uh, Tucker looked really good. Uh, Terrence Edwards, he's really good. He is a real deal. He's got a, you know, his jump shot looks a little different, but it, it's it's good enough, and he can knock down shots from the perimeter. Uh, him and Jermonte Hill, I mean, those are two big 6-6 uh, wings, guards coming at you. Uh, they're tough. And then Raylon Berrien is just, you know, he's really calm with the ball. He doesn't get sped up. Uh, takes his time. Sometimes he can take a little bit too much time. He got a silly 10-second violation when he was just walking the ball up the court. Um, but Tucker's good. They run some pretty good sets. They get a lot of movement. And, you know, sometimes when you have stars on the perimeter, you think it's just going to be iso ball. But um, they do do a nice job. Uh, Coach Hartree making them move around, you know, running sets and everything. They do get good motion, so the ball doesn't necessarily stick all that much. Uh, and they're playing Tri-Cities, who won 79-67. to Tri-Cities, it sounds like they're going to be back at full strength now. Peyton Daniels back. Uh, it's a rematch of last year's state championship game, and if you remember, Tucker was in control of that game before Jermonte Hill fouled out, and then uh, you would have to look. They got outscored like 13 to two or 13 to three something like that to end the game and of course uh, demarcus johnson hit that that game winning three at the buzzer to knock off tucker fast forward to this year 
Um, the game's going to be at Tucker. Uh, you know, Terrence Edwards, like we just mentioned, is now in the picture for um, Tucker. Uh, it's going to be a really good game. I know Amari Forts was uh, courtside scouting, taking in that game against Alatoona. Um, but I think I'm going to have to stick with Tucker just because they got those two really big guards and they play well together. And if Dylan Pritchard, uh, the lefty, if he's knocking down his sh- shots on the perimeter because so much focus on Hill and Edwards, guys like that are going to have open opportunities on the perimeter to knock down threes. If he can hit a couple shots to loosen up the defense, and if Giddens inside can clean up a few misses and give him, you know, six to eight points and six to eight rebounds, I think Tucker will be in good shape. I think it's going to be a good game, but I think I'm going to have to go with Tucker in this one. Also in Class 6A, a three-seed Sequoia travels to one-seed Chattahoochee. So Sequoia got over that hump of... You know, playing a team down at the road, on the road, going to the coast, a long trip, uh, 56-61, 61-56, they beat Richmond Hill. So they get to the Elite Eight for the first time in school history. Now they're playing Chattahoochee, who beat Heritage Conyers, 73-68. Obviously a lot closer of a drive, probably um, maybe an hour tops to get to Chattahoochee. It's not terribly far uh, from Hickory Flat. So... This will be an interesting game considering Chattahoochee. You got your your big three, really your big two, but big three if you want to say. You got um, Cam Sheffield, 6'6 wing going to Rice. You got A.J. White, about 5'10 dynamic score. And then Franklin Bailey is your three-point specialist. And McDavid inside is 6'8", and he can rebound and you know block some shots and give you a little bit of offense here and there. But Sequoia, Sequoia is a team that's really balanced, and they can get guys that can hit you up uh, you know, for 12 to 16 points here and there. You know, Jackson Greco is a great three-point shooter. Going to Mercer, Miles McGee, Donovan Ship, Aiden Watson. When he's not trying to do too much with the ball, he's just a really good energy guy and can rebound and can make a difference on the defensive side of things. And then DJ Robinson, who had the game of his life against South Cobb and was a was an X factor. And you know, even uh, the younger guys, Dylan Wall came off the bench and had a, a huge first half for Sequoia when uh, Richmond Hill had them down uh, by a couple points, and he got them back in the game. Um, with this game, you know, defense has been something that we questioned Sequoia on last year. Well, last year was last year, and now they're going on the road against a potent uh, offensive team in Chattahoochee. Um, I'm going with Sequoia in this one. I think Sequoia is a better team than Chattahoochee. I think they're going to be able to shut them down. It's going to be a really good game, obviously. Uh, A.J. White, um, that's someone that they're going to have to track all throughout because uh, he is just he's so good. But I think Coach Carden, they're going to have a really good game plan. Um, I think just the ball movement and the, the, the precision that Sequoia runs their offense I think they'll they'll be able to catch uh, Chattahoochee a few times on some back cuts here and there. Um, I think it's going to be a really good game. Like I said, this isn't going to be a this isn't going to be a blowout, but I I really actually do like Sequoia in this game. Um, all these seniors, all these guys that have been playing together for a long, long time. And again, I'm looking at DJ Robinson to be a potential X factor inside. About six four, six five on a good day. Plays extremely large. Can block shots. Can do a couple things. He can protect the rim. Um, you know, Sequoia has a lot of good sneaky pieces. Uh, and getting that win over Richmond Hill, going down there into a tough environment, coming out with the win. I think they're going to have momentum. Um, they're just going to have to have a really good game plan. They're going to, you know, obviously Chattahoochee's going to live and die with their jumpers. Uh, 
with with White and uh, Sheffield and then Bailey. Um, that's just one of the things. If you can slow those two guys down and keep them to you know 20 points apiece or lower, which is easier said than done, they'll have a good shot. But they can't forget about Franklin Bailey. That is such a big piece to what Chattahoochee does, his three-point shooting ability. But I think Sequoia, they just are a little more well-rounded, and I think they've been really good all throughout the year. And I'm going with Sequoia to beat Chattahoochee and make it to their first Final Four. Moving to the right side of Class 6A, Langston Hughes takes on Lanier. Oh, Langston Hughes, the road, the road Warriors pulled out a 55-52 win at Valdosta, and then Lanier in overtime, 60 to 58 over Stevenson, a three seed. That was a little, little shaky right there because Stevenson, again, uh, you know, a team that wasn't really ever on the radar of being a top 10 team, but they gave them all the fits in the world. Uh, Lanier has Langston Hughes at home. Langston Hughes is tough. I mean, again, they're coming from Region 5, the best region in the state pretty much every year. Uh, Case and Jennings going to Kennesaw State. P.J. Cam- uh, PJ Carter going to Campbell, three-point shooter. And then Josh Butts cleaning up misses inside. That's a solid big three. And even Kobe Davis as well. We forget about him because he's not uh, a big-time scorer, but that's a good, talented sophomore guard. Um, you know, Lanier's got some – Got some veterans, obviously Sion James. He's going to have to really control this game uh, with his physicality and his tempo at the guard position. He's going to Tulane. He's going to have to be a, a really big, big piece for them. Andrew McConnell, Isaiah Phillips, guys like that, they're going to have to come to play as well. Um, just with the last round, I mean, Lanier squeaking it out against Stevenson. You're playing a Langston Hughes team that's been there, done that before. Uh, this is a really a coin flip game. I know I picked Lanier. Uh, when we started this entire, uh, you know, Final Four process, everything, when we started the, the podcast of previewing uh, the state tournament, it's going to be tough to choose. Um, I guess I'll stick with Lanier just because I don't want to flip-flop too much right now. Um, but, again, Langston Hughes, they're playing well. They just had uh, some two nice wins. But, again, you know, Langston Hughes, they could have got, uh, you know, kicked out in the first round. They were down big to Cambridge, and they rallied to save that one and you know they did enough to get past Valdosta but uh, they can't have a slow start against Lanier and the same can be said for Lanier against Langston Hughes but I'm going with the home court advantage in this one and I think Lanier will be able to squeak it out and finally in the bottom right quadrant Evans at South Cobb uh Evans has really turned things around I mean we saw him at the Sandysville Showcase and you know Hart County just pounded him and that left a bad taste in my mouth but Christian Chambers is really, really good, and South Cobb's going to have to game plan for him. They're going—I don't know—they're going to have to face guard him or something. But like that is the heart and soul for Evans. If you can slow him down, cut off the head of the snake, then Evans is in a lot of trouble. But a lot of teams have not been able to do that. Evans won 76-62 over Douglas County, uh, and South Cobb won 75-49 over Brunswick. But one of the issues is here that Evans is coming up to South Cobb. I think Amon Washington is going to be a handful inside for Evans to slow down. Um, I think Zocco Littleton, if his shot is calibrated, he's going to uh, be able to knock down some perimeter jumpers to loosen up uh, the defense some. And then other guys for South Cobb, uh, Dix, uh, 
guys like that, they're going to really have to step up and just give them something else. Travis Burst, not much of a score, but uh, a shifty little guard that can help run the offense. Guys like that are going to have to p- pick up some slack, especially if Littleton or Amon Washington has an off game. But I think South Cobb at home, that firepower between those two, I think that's going to be enough to, to stop a really big effort from Christian Chambers. And that will wrap up Class 6A down to Class 5A. The three seed out of Region 8, Clark Central, survives to play the one seed out of Region 5, Southwest Acab. Uh, it's a real damn shame. Every single year, Eagles landing, they can't get out of the second round. It's ridiculous. They win 23, 24 games every single regular season. They're loaded to at least make the Elite Eight. Then, you know... Something will happen. You'll have a you know a tough matchup, and that that's expected. It's tough, but to not ever be able to get out of the second round, uh, it's just really really crazy. Because Eagles Landing's really good, but there's an issue there in the second round that that monkey is on their back, and it's 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 crazy. They it's just crazy that they got beat. And you got to give Clark Central all the credit in the world uh, to pull that game out. And now they're dancing on, and they play Southwest to Cab. So. Um, Southwest of Cab, I think, with Eugene Brown, uh, really good. And they got some size as well. You got the Mo Diallo's about 6'10 inside. He's going to be able to block some shots and do some things. Uh, Kusume Draper, uh, 6'6 wing forward. Um, he helps out as well. But I just think, um, you know, looking at Southwest of Cab, uh, I, I think they're, they're ready to get past uh, Clark Central. I think Clark Central will give them a game, but. I think Southwest Cab is going to make it to the Final Four. And we said it for Eagles Landing when the whole brackets came out. Like, man, you got to really love your quadrant because there's not a whole lot of other top 10 teams, if there even was a top 10 team. I don't even think there was a top 10 team in that quadrant with them. Well, now they, they choked and they lost their opportunity, and Clark Central took it up. And now Southwest Cab is somewhat in the driver's seat here. So I like Southwest Cab against Clark Central, I think, Eugene Brown is just going to be really tough. And he, you know, after everything, all the adversity that he's come through, breaking his leg last year, uh, last year was supposed to be the year for Southwest DeKalb to make a Final Four and win a state title. Well, uh, they picked up the pieces this year, and now they're knocking at the door of getting to the Final Four. And I think Southwest DeKalb will be able to bust it down and get into the Final Four. In the Bottom left of Class 5A, one of the few uh, four-seeds remaining, Lithonia, takes on Cedar Shoals. Uh, really good game. Lithonia, definitely not a real four-seed, um, but they're the real deal. They won 78-68 over Veterans, and then Cedar Shoals, it took them overtime to beat Wayne County 52-50. to um, And that that's kind of scary considering how you know Wayne County and Statesboro, and I saw Statesboro get annihilated by Buford in Region 2, and I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, I think Lithonia will win this one. I think Quincy Canty and Tyler Johnson really, really good, and they're gonna have to. They're both gonna finish, you know, tw- over 20 points. But I think Lithonia, just with their size across the board, Javante Jackson being five seven and just gonna be a pest on whoever he's guarding, just gonna get up under him and you know make him uncomfortable. And then of course Eric Gaines, uh, he's just been a, a superstar this season. Uh, Franklin champion, I think, the, is going to be the guy that's going to give them the most problems. Um, but Kashik Brown's going to have to play really well for Cedar Shoals as that third scoring option. But I think Lithonia is just a little bit deeper, uh, and I, I think they're they're prime for it. Even though they're going to be on the road, uh, I just think Lithonia is just that tough this year, and they've, they've proven it all throughout the season. And I think they're on a war path to at least get to the Final Four. 
on the right side of class 5A, Kel at Buford. Uh, yeah, very interesting matchup between these two. Uh, I mean, like I just mentioned, Buford versus Statesboro. They won 54 to 34. It was 31 to 3 to start the game. It was pathetic. It was just terrible. Buford just demolished Statesboro. I, I, I just could not believe it. And then Kel, um, they, they pulled out a tough one over Warner Robins, 60 to 53. Um, Buford, we, you know, we, I believe we had them ranked to start the season, but we had no idea. This could be a team that would win over 20 games, or it could be a team that won 15 games. It was a bunch of guys that had pretty much no uh, varsity, heavy varsity experience. Uh, so we weren't we weren't sure if this was a team that was going to win 20 games or a team that was going to win 15 games. But Eddie Martin is a terrific coach, and Sebastian Agustov, uh, he's he's been just lights out. He's been the best three point shooter I've seen all season long. He's only about five nine. But my goodness, he is so accurate. He is so lethal. In the two games I've seen him play, he's probably hit 14 or 15 threes out of maybe like 21 or 22 attempts. He's been just ridiculous. And I don't know any team that is letting him get any open looks or going under any screens because it's just ridiculous how many how many you know times he has burnt teams from deep. But uh, he, he's a senior. Uh, they don't have too many seniors. You're looking at him. Uh, Carson Bell plays off the bench a little bit. Big James Munlin inside, who just kind of clogs the lane and you know gives you a couple points here and there. And then Caleb Williams, who has been a, a jack of all trades at his athletic rebounds, tough nose, gets you a couple points here and there. Um, I don't know. It's going to be tough for Kell. Um, Kell again has been really good all throughout the season. They got Scooter Henderson, but you know now you're playing against Coach Martin, who is a, a terrific. A terrific coach, and he's going to have a really good game plan now. Just looking at, at the guard position, I don't think Buford's going to really have anyone that can match up all that well one-on-one with Scooter, and not many teams do. Uh, but Buford's got enough length and enough athletes at the rim that can you know, kind of get in his way you know, with Williams, with Mun- Munlin, who's, you know, like we said, close to 7 foot, and Jalen Taylor is about 6'6". Six, six. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's at Buford, too. Uh, guys are really going to have to step up for Kell. I mean, Xavier Presley, uh, Jamal Hill, all those guys are going to have to really come and give uh, Scooter big support. Uh, I think Kell is the team that's ready to advance to the next round. I think uh, that's a team that sh- probably should win. Uh, but I think I might be picking Buford. I think Buford... Uh, with that three-point shooter, Gustav, and uh, just Jalen Taylor and all those pieces, and just how they absolutely just demolished Statesboro, like 31-3, to that's just crazy. And playing in an arena like that, you got to get used to the arena backdrop, and I think that was a big reason why Statesboro came out and shot five air balls in the first, uh, first quarter alone. Uh, obviously, Buford was really good, but there's something to be said about playing in a huge gymnasium, uh, a huge arena that you're just not used to. The backdrop could be really tough, and if, if that hurts uh, kill shooters, uh, which they don't have a ton of them with Cologne still hurt, I believe, um, it's going to be tough because if Scooter's not able to loosen up the defense with his outside shot and he becomes a, a one-trick pony getting into the paint, uh, like I said, I think Buford has enough size to kind of slow him down and not let him get 40 points to go absolutely crazy. So uh, I think Buford with the home court advantage and that tough backdrop, I think Buford wins. And finally in Class 5A, Columbia at Dutchtown. 
Uh, Colombia has been kind of sliding by, you know, the two seed. They they, they survived Cass, and uh, I believe it went to overtime. Uh, that was a really good game. Then they beat Bainbridge by 19 points. And then Dutchtown, they held off Riverwood by 4, 59-55. Um, I think I, I like Dutchtown in this one still, even though we saw uh, Region 4 kind of flop with Eagles landing earlier. But Dutchtown with Jermaine Mann, Cam Bryant, um, Cameron Hobbs, all those guys, Placid. Uh, I think Dutchtown uh, is deep enough. They're big enough. I think they'll be able to handle Devin Longstreet and Daquan Harris. Uh, I'm going with Dutchtown. I just think Dutchtown's been the better team all season long, and I think they're, they'll be able to survive a, a Columbia team. And considering how the game is going to be at Dutchtown, too, I think that'll really help out a lot. Moving down to Class 4A, it is a perfectly chalk Class 4A. Eight one-seeds battling it out to move on to the Final Four in the top left, Sandy Creek at Woodward Academy. Well, that's a big game that a lot of people are going to be going to. Um, Jabari Smith versus Walker Kessler. Um, I think uh, Jabari Smith is going to have to have a really big game, obviously. I think he means more to his team than um, All-American Walker Kessler does, which is not supposed to be a knock on Walker Kessler. Uh, Woodward just has more bullets in the chamber, uh, which Corey Turner, Michael Whitmore, um, Emery Lanier, Will Richard, all those guys are really, really good. And with that being said, I just think um, Woodward just has – you know, more guys at these positions. You know, Sandy Creek, if if Jabari has a an off game, who is that next man up to kind of step up? Is it going to be Daryl Rice? Is it going to be Deshaun Proctor? Like, who's that guy that can get you 18 to 20 points uh, if Jabari's, you know, stuck on 14 or 15 points? Who's going to be the guy that really steps up for Sandy Creek? Um, is it Destin Jenkins? Uh, Brian Branch? Who's it going to be? Uh, because if Woodward, if if Walker Kessler only has about 14 points, we know who's going to step up. It's going to be Will Richard. It's going to be Emery Lanier. You know, those are two really good guys. And I think, you know, the game is going to be at Woodward Academy as well. Um, I just think Woodward, I, I, I think they're they're built for it. I think Sandy Creek next year is their year uh, with, you know, Jabari going to be a senior next year. I think this year with the senior, Walker Kessler, Emery Lanier, uh, I just think Woodward, uh, I think they're going to be big enough across the board. And I think they're deep enough. Uh, I think it'll be a good game, but I'm just going with Woodward. I just think they have enough to kind of negate and slow down stuff that Sandy Creek wants to do. Also on the left side of 4A, Denmark at Upson Lee. Upson Lee uh, hosting Denmark. Uh, going to be tough. It's tough to win games at the castle, no matter who's putting on the purple. Um, I think Denmark should win this game. Uh, Robert Coward, a guy that can really score the ball, and Adonis Talbert's been big inside, and then Sudden Smith, obviously. But Upson Lee has uh, some some powerful players as well. Uh, you know, Malik, I believe Malik Smith's his name. Uh, he's going to be tough for Upson Lee. He's a, another physical guy that rebounds. He's about six three, six four, but that's the guy that can provide some easy buckets inside and get out, and you know, just be a strong athlete. And then um, Jalen Osbrooks as well. Uh, and Darius Hayes, those guys, uh, they're going to have to play big. It's going to be really, really tough, really, really, really tough to win at um, to win at the Castle. But it's been done before. Uh, I think, like I said, I think Denmark's a better team. I think Denmark pulls it out. I think Sudden Smith uh, will be key in this one. I think Coward will just be a little bit too explosive offensively. Uh, so I like Denmark in this one. Moving to the right side of Class 4A, America's Sumter at St. Pius. 
So what's America Sumter's record? They're about 28-0, and 29-0. and 0. Um, I, Again, I think we hinted at it last podcast. I think America Sumter's very good, but I don't think they're great. 62-59 in overtime against Blessed Trinity. That's And Blessed Trinity's came on strong. They were a good, solid team. Um, but I think America Sumter is good, not great. So I think St. Pius is definitely going to have a, a, a fantastic opportunity uh, to win this game. And they're, you know, that's that's a rematch of last year. They're, they're definitely going to have, um, you know, going in that game, they're going to have some motivation considering it was America Sumter that put them out last year in the exact same round in the Elite Eight, 63-48 at St. Pius. So um, that's the one good thing for America Sumter. They've, they've been there. They've done that before, literally. Uh, they've beaten them. Um, but I think St. Pius is going to be able to execute really well. I think Trey Brown's going to have to have a really big game for America Sumter. Um, again, I think this could be a coin flip game. America Sumter plays really good on-ball defense and can pressure you. St. Pius doesn't really have a lot of star power. It's just that, that great system that they all know how to play together. Um, I see this one going down to the wire. Uh, I think I'm going to go with America Sumter to just squeak it out. Uh, I think St. Pius is a, a year ahead of schedule right now. Um, and I think America Sumter, you know, skates by just barely to get back to the Final Four. And finally, in Class 4A, Cross Creek at Lafayette. Uh, Lafayette and Cross Creek. I think Lafayette had a really nice win over McDonough, 56 51. Cross Creek, they were almost Chapel Hill. Maris completely dominated the tempo. Again, 34-32, Cross Creek rallied to win that one. So that scares me. But Lafayette, I think they want to play a more of an up-tempo game, get out and go, score a lot of points. And I think that would favor Cross Creek in this one. Um, it's going to be tough to travel to Lafayette because um, Lafayette, they, they've been uh, they've been really good this year. They really have been good this year. And that's a team that's going to be even better next year. Uh, so definitely someone to keep an eye on. Um, but Lafayette, how are they going to stop Kobe Stewart? Guys like that, uh, I'm interested to see what their game plan is going to be defensively to kind of slow those guys down. Uh, so that should be interesting. But you're looking at Lafayette with Aiden Hathaway averaging 21 points, 11 rebounds in a block a game. And then the Cameron Porters averaging 16 points, 13 rebounds and three blocks. Um with that being said, again, uh, that's playing against Region 6 competition most of the time, so those numbers are just a little bit inflated, but I do think Lafayette is good. Um, but I, I, I'm going to stick with my Final Four pick in Cross Creek. I think they're just going to be a little bit too big, and I think they'll be able to handle what Lafayette brings to them, even though it's going to be a really hostile environment. And now down to Class 3A, Kyle, in the top left of Monroe area at Pace Academy. Monroe, Monroe Harry has been uh, living right, you know, beat Westside making 71-67 as a three seed. So they're, they're coming in as a live underdog. They're really dangerous uh, with guys like Kendrick Lyles averaging 18.5 points, um, shooting 40% from three. And then Derek Brown's 6-6. He's averaging close to 14 points and 10 rebounds a game. Um, Monroe Harry is going to come in with a really good game plan, but uh, there's only so much you can do. Uh, against somebody like Matt Cleveland and Cole Middleton and Madison Durr. It's going to be really tough. I think they'll be able to hang around just because they've seen some really good teams in Region 8, but I think Pace Academy is slowly going to pull away and make it a double-digit win. But um, 
Pace County, they're not going to be able to just roll the ball out there and expect to win. I think Monroe area is going to really um, put some pressure on them and, and keep this game close for a while. But I think Pace Academy, they're still the class of Class 3A, and I think Pace Academy wins. Also on the left side, Johnson Savannah at Long County. Long County's got home court advantage here. Um, Johnson was able to take care of Cedar Grove 71-57, and then Long County beat Franklin 57 uh, well, 66 to 57. Long County's got some big dudes, some athletic guys. Um, that was a, a a good result for Long County because we were looking at, at that region in Long County and we weren't really sure what to expect. So I think Long County's going to give Johnson some problems uh, with Tostitas Pouncey shooting the three ball and then Trajan Weather Weatherspoon just being a big athlete on the glass. Uh, but I think I think Johnson still with those two guards of Amandre Bulls. And then uh, Derek Edwards, I think those guys are just going to be really tough, and I think they're going to be good enough to get the best of Long County's guards, and I think Johnson will win a close game. On the right side of Class 3A, Monroe at Jefferson. Oh, boy. Jefferson held off Pierce County 65-57. Monroe beat GAC 59-52. Jefferson is going to be um, put to the test. Monroe's had, <laughs> Monroe has a ton of athletes. Marius Ellis gets out and, you know, he, he gets out and flies. And then uh, Dominic Henderson is an elite on-ball defender and really tough offensively as well. So those two guys alone are really going to give them some problems. Now, where Jefferson should have the advantage is going to be inside with Jacob Radiker going to uh, maybe. Are they going to be able to establish him and get him the ball? And uh, can he score uh, efficiently enough? Uh, around the basket to really help Jefferson. And I think Cam Robinson, the quick little point guard, he's going to have to be key. Um, so I'm looking for him as well. And then Spencer Darby, his three-point shooting, I think that could be a really big factor coming in off the bench. Um, but I think Monroe, it's 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 tough. Monroe's taking a long trip up to uh, Jefferson. So Jefferson's going to have that home court advantage. It's going to be packed out in that arena. But I think Monroe uh, – I think Monroe is just going to be so tough and just really get after it. I think it should be a good game, but I think Monroe, I, I think Monroe's ready to get past Jefferson. But shoot, if Jefferson wins, um, Jefferson is, you know, I mean, they've already had a terrific season, but Jefferson really going to cement themselves as a, a big time title, title contender if they're not already. But I think Monroe is just going to be too tough. And our last game in Class 3A Central making at Windsor Forest. Oh boy! So Windsor Forest they blew out Cherokee Bluff eighty to fifty five, and then Central Macon got the game of his life from Antonio Carr with twenty five and twenty uh, to beat Hart County uh, fifty five to forty three. So a great win there. Um, I don't know, you know, Macon versus Savannah. I think Windsor Forest has been the better team throughout, but I wouldn't be surprised if Quay Primus uh, really just hurts Windsor Forest inside. He's you know that dominant of a post player. He was in foul trouble last round. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm always concerned. Can can Card and the rest of the supporting cast can they, uh, can they replicate what they did against Hart County and give enough support um, for the Chargers in the next round? And now you're going on the road to Savannah. They're playing Deontay Bass. You're playing uh, Shamar Norman. Uh, Windsor's got some pretty big guys inside as well. I just think Windsor Force has been at that that high level, playing at a high level all throughout. I think it'll be a good game. Uh, but I think home court advantage, I'm going with the Knights over there in Savannah to get past the Chargers. Now in Class 2A, another classification that's fairly chalk. We have one two-seed out of eight. 
Um, but in the top left, Spencer at Glen Hills. Oh, man, all these Class 2A matchups are, you know, should be really interesting considering they're just coming from different places. I mean, Glen Hills, 74-62 over Douglas, great win. And then Spencer, 60-57 to over Dublin, uh, a, a tough win for Spencer. Now, Spencer has to go to Glen Hills. It's going to be a really tough environment. Uh, Spencer loves to score a lot of points. Obviously, Dublin was able to slow him down, and you know they scored 60 points. They still won, Spencer. But uh, Jalen Sellers is going to have to have a really good game. Um, going to Glen Hills with uh, uh, Emmanuel Jones and then uh, John Whitehead, those two guys, two six-six forwards, essentially, they're going to be really tough. I think this could be a high-scoring game. Um, but I think Glen Hills, until uh, Spencer can prove they can kind of get over that hump of the Elite Eight, I'm going with Glen Hills. Glen Hills has been really good. They won Region 4. They've seen better teams than Spencer has all throughout the year, so I'm going with Glen Hills. On the left side of Class 2A, Rockmore at Swainsboro. Swainsboro, 74-56 over South Atlanta, Rockmart 55-50 over Northeast Macon. I think Swainsboro is a better team than Rockmart. Swainsboro has been crunching uh, really good teams all throughout the year. Um, Rockmart, Tyler Rowland is going to have to knock down a lot of threes, and Juke Boozer is going to have to be engaged the entire 32 minutes, not 30 minutes, not 28 minutes. He's going to have to play his butt off the entire time. I just think, you know, going to Swainsboro, too, where it's tough to win at Swainsboro for for reasons you want to list. I think Swainsboro blows out Rockmart. I would be surprised if Rockmart gets this game under 15 points, but if they do, give Rockmart all the credit in the world. And then you got to look at Swainsboro and, you know, kind of maybe think that they're not quite as uh, untouchable as you once thought. You know, anything can happen, but again, at Swainsboro with the the Seabro twins, um, Hackett, all those guys, I think Swainsboro is just going to be way too strong. I think they, they, they kind of blow past Rockmart. On the right side, the only two seed to make it to the Elite Eight, Chatuga travels to Banks County. Oh, man. So two teams trying to get the monkey off their back. I mean, Banks got the that, that first monkey off their back, finally getting back to the Elite Eight. And Chatuga, I don't believe Chatuga's ever advanced past the Elite Eight. They got there uh, when they beat Reggie Perry a couple years ago, but then they ran into Swainsboro, and the officiating got a little bit different in the fourth quarter, and Swainsboro was able to to come back and win that game. Um, this game's going to be at Banks County. This game uh, is going to be the end of the Cleveland era over there with Carl Cleveland going out, uh, you know, had a terrific game with, uh, what, 26 points, 13 rebounds against Butler, which was a great win, 61-58, and they were up about 32-8 to to start the game. And Butler's big men, they just they kept biting on pump fakes from Cleveland and they couldn't slow them down. And they came back strong, but, uh, you know, just too many missed threes and jump shots in that first half really put them in a, a bad hole. And now if they played five quarters, Butler might have won that game, but you only played four. So Banks kind of got the job done. You're looking at Chatuga, 66-60 over Thomasville. They were down about 10 points early on. Then they just whipped them up in the in the second half. They were led by about 14 points. And uh, then Thomasville closed the gap late. Um, does Chattooga have anybody that can guard Carl Cleveland? That's what it's going to come down to. What kind of defense will Chattooga run? I know they have different um, variations of their zones they like to run and throw out there. And so does Banks. Banks has played a you know three-two zone at times here and there. Uh, can both these teams guard one another? That's what it's going to come down to. Who is going to guard Carl Cleveland? Uh, Chattooga, they they have some athletes, but they're not necessarily 
big. You know, you got a couple like six one guys here and there, uh, but not not a lot of size. Banks County is going to be bigger now. Cash Allen at six six inside, he's going to be important for Chattuga to clean up misses, um, to score offensively around the rim, and to kind of you know try to alter a few shots inside. Because if he finds himself on um, Carl Cleveland down low. Uh, he's going to have to do a really good job of defending with his arms straight up. Don't foul Carl Cleveland. Cannot let him get to the line at will and just can't bite on those pump fakes. Um, if if Chattooga plays a zone and if Banks County can find their shooters, Banks County has shooters all over the court. Uh, so if Chattooga goes with the 1-3-1 zone, there's going to be open opportunities for threes to, to drop in. And that could be tough. Now, same thing goes with Banks County. If Banks County sits back into his zone, Chattooga is going to launch those threes, and they're going to let them fly. They can shoot the ball. Damian Smith is a great three-point shooter. Um, you know, big came out big and had some big threes uh, in the first round against Temple. Uh, so it's just going to be an interesting game. You know, Malachi Jackson as well. Is he going to be able to get into the paint and create for Chattooga? Um, this is uh, a really tough game to call. Um, I think home court advantage is going to be really, really big for Banks County. I think the pressure is mostly all on Banks County. They are the home team. This is the, you know, the the, the final game of the Cleveland Air is going to be any time now. Uh, so whether it's today or if it's, you know, not today, but it, whether it's in the Elite Eight or if it's in Macon when they win a state championship, um, that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, I think Chattooga should play loose. Sometimes they go into games without knowing how important the game is, and it you know helps a, a young team kind of play loose. Uh, but I think Banks County, with all that pressure on them, I think they know this is their year. This is their best team in school history to get get something special done. I think Banks County at home with Carl Cleveland. I just think there's a lot riding on them. Uh, I think Banks County finds a way to pull it out and in an entertaining game. Uh, I like the Leopards at home. And finally, in Class 2A, Washington County at Therrell. Therrell 65-56 over Laney, and then Washington County 69-49 over Model. Uh, Washington County's a good defensive team, but as is Therrell. Um, <sighs> Jarden Mays versus Roman Sun is going to be a really good guard matchup. And a guard matchup for Division II schools to go check out because those are two of the better guards in the state of Georgia. Um is Washington County going to be able to score enough? Now, Washington County, um, they got some nice guys. I mean, Washington County's not overly big, really, uh, when you're looking at them. Uh, it's a team that has uh, Bloodsaw. He's a really athletic player. Kawan Bloodsaw, I believe his name is. Um, he can get up and fly. He's really talented. But everything starts with Mays, and then everything else kind of, you know, you know, slots in. It's a balanced scoring attack outside of Mays. And then when you're looking at Farrell, you know, they're going to pound you inside with Cam Fortson and Rashawn Frederick. And those are two big physical guys that are going to be bigger than a lot of uh, the players that Washington County has. And plus this game's going to be played in Atlanta. I think that's going to be tough. Now, I think Washington County is good enough to play with them. But Farrell, uh, this time of year, Farrell just always finds a way to pull these games out, whether it's Calvin Miller knocking down threes or, you know, Rashawn Frederick doing what he always does. Uh, I think. I think Farrell's going to be able to find a way to pull this one out. I think it's going to be tight. It's going to be close, but Farrell um, just has a long history dating back to last year of just finding ways to win close games. And I think that continues and Farrell advances back to the Final Four. 
And now to move on to Class A Private, we have all manners of seeds here. 24 seed Holy Innocence plays the one seed St. Francis. <sighs> Predicted Holy Innocence to get this far, you know, as a 24 seed. Um, I mean, they – like we not to beat a dead horse. They weren't good early in the season. Um uh, they had some players leave the program. They played a lot of good teams, but they were really good in their own region. And then they clocked uh, Savannah Country Day, who was upset that I picked them to uh, to lose to Holy Innocence. But, you know, Holy Innocence, they just seen better players or better teams all throughout the year. And that has to account for something. I think Savannah Country Day is a, a year away from, you know, being a, a top 10 viable team. But Holy Innocence going against St. Francis. Uh, St. Francis is going to blow them out of the water. Not much to say here. St. Francis beat – First Presbyterian Day, 96-57. Holy Innocence just doesn't have enough uh, enough horses. You know, Garrison Powell and uh, Justin Wilson, I really like that backcourt, but that's not Tawan Odom. That's not, you know, Jordan Brown, Usain Holt, Chase Ellis. I mean, St. Francis is going to blow them out. On the bottom left side of Class A Private, uh, close one by power rankings. Number five, Mount Pisgah. Number four, Walker. Uh, these two teams, quite familiar uh, with one another, if I am not mistaken. So uh, should be an entertaining, close game. Um, these two teams played Walker 179-58 back in December. Uh, then they played again, and Mount Pisgah beat them by 21. So both teams with 21-point wins. Uh, so, he, I mean, that's close. I say private for you. You really don't know what's going to happen. And it's kind of strange considering how – Walker won by 21 at Mount Pisgah and then lost at home by 21. Uh, so what 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 version of these teams are we going to get? I don't really know. Pisgah beat Mount uh, Pisgah beat uh, WD Muhammad 65-47. Walker beat Mount Perrin by two on I want to say a buzzer beater 43-41. I think Mount Pisgah is playing better basketball right now. Uh, Pisgah with uh, JoJo Peterson, Nate Gordon. Uh, I don't know if Omar Cooper is back yet for Walker, but when he went down, that kind of that's when the if you want to call it a slide happened. Walker, what hasn't really been playing at that that top level since he went down. Um, so I'm going with Mount Pisgah in this one. On the right side, Pinecrest Academy at Green Forest. Pinecrest Academy beat Providence Christian 64-53 in a really nice game, and then Green Forest beat Galloway 59-49. It looks like. Um, Pinecrest are going to have to knock down some outside shots. They do have some decent size across the board, but they're not seven-footers like Green Force. I think Pinecrest is going to wing to give Green Force a game, and they're going to play them close. Uh, but I just think with Lamar Odin, Chase Cormier, knocking down threes, and Christian Fussell, obviously, and just all those big athletic bodies, I think Green Force finds a way to win. But I think Pinecrest is going to give them everything they want. And finally, an interesting one to wrap up Class A Private, North Cobb Christian at Trinity Christian. Yeah, North Cobb Christian uh, is a 14 seed playing, obviously, exceptionally well right now. Um, And, you know, just looking back on the resume all throughout the year, uh, you know, they're 19 and 9, it looks like, but they had some good results and some not really good results. But this is when you ask yourself again, do you throw out the resume out, you know, from earlier in the season? You go on just how they're playing recently, or do you look at what they've done throughout the year? Like they lost to Southwest Atlanta Christian, fifty-eight to fifty, not good. Um, 
but they played some good teams, and I think that's really prepared North Cup Christian. I mean, they played Cass, they lost to Cass, they played Hillgrove, lost to Hillgrove, played Paulden County, lost to them. Um, a lot of their losses have come against good teams outside of uh, Southwest Atlanta Christian. You know, they played Norcross, they played Upson Lee, um, they played Washington County. So uh, that that record might be a little deceiving. Um, they got they did get beat by Pine Crest Academy, eighty four to fifty eight in the region tournament, which which was really rough, but. You know, they're playing Trinity Christian. Trinity Christian's not at full strength. Gian Carlo Bastioni, uh, the big six seven post presence, he's been hurt, hurt his ankle. I believe he's out for the out for the remainder of the postseason. That's a big, big blow for them. Now Trinity Christian has some tremendous athletes and Isaac Brito, uh, Raul Arias, uh, Brady Burnett going to North Georgia as a good small forward. Uh, so they got some some great athletes, but Trinity Christian doesn't have any depth, and that could potentially come back to hurt them. Um, North Cobb Christian, they're going to let it fly. They got good guard play. They can score the ball a lot. Cammy Young averaging 21 points per game. And then, uh, you know, it looks like Coach's son, Makai Mosley, uh, 13 points per game is a really good three point shooter that can stretch the floor. Um, and then Caleb Crumley inside, you know, he's about 6'8", 11 points, 8 rebounds. Josiah Scott, I like him. He just does a little bit of everything over there. He stuffs the stat sheet. Uh, I think North Cobb Christian should be able to uh, really make this a good close game. But I just think Trinity Christian, even without Bastioni, uh, I, I just got to I gotta stick with Trinity Christian. They're at home. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, like I said, if they get anybody in foul trouble, they just don't have a deep bench at all. And it's going to be difficult for them. But Trinity Christian playing in that really small gymnasium, they're going to have a lot of people in there. I think home court advantage, I think that'll be important. And I think Trinity Christian finds a way to get past North Cup Christian. On to classification 8 of 8 for the Boys Elite 8 preview. Class A public. And this may be the most chalk of them all. The power rankings got them right again this year. All the top 8 seeds who got a first round bye make it to the Elite 8 starting in the top left. Number eight seed Lincoln County at number one seed Trutland. Yeah, who says uh, power rating system isn't the best thing ever? Obviously, I jest. Um, but Lincoln County, we told you uh, last podcast, are really good at home apparently, and they beat Lanier County fifty six fifty one, and then Trutland just blew past uh, Warren County eighty eight sixty nine. I think Trutland is going to be too good. Franquan Sherman's going to be uh, a handful, and I believe it's JJ Elam over there as well for Lincoln County. I think he's going to have to have a good game uh, for the Red Devils to uh, kind of keep this one close. But, you know, Trudlin plays so fast. They just go, 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 go. Uh, a team that's going to really push the tempo. A lot of points on the board. Kasabian Mitchell, Cam Jordan, Chris Floyd has been a key addition as well. I think Trudlin at home at the soapbox, I think Trudlin, you know, puts a lot of points on the board and they race past Lincoln County. On the bottom left of Class A public, Dooley County at Terrell County. Uh, Terrell County got that really big win over Drew Charter, sixty to fifty-one, uh, and that's what we picked. And we just Drew Charter's really good, but it, it, it's just a different animal. Until they have success in the postseason, going to these hostile environments, it's just really tough for that team. I think Drew Charter's definitely going to be back next year, but Terrell County got the job done. And then Dooley, sixty-nine, sixty-five over GMC. Um, I think Terrell County should win this one. Uh, I think that's a team that's um, been good all throughout the year. They got the Region 1 Player of the Year, Shantavian Bowens. Uh, he's pretty good. Uh, and I think, you know, Dooley County, they got Jeff Felton, 
who averages like 18 points and 15 rebounds, a big football player. But I think Terrell Canning is going to be able to play um, too fast for them, and uh, they got him at home. So I like uh, I like the Green Wave. On the top right, Wilkinson County at Wilcox County. Really good, tough matchup here. Wilkinson County obviously is the boogeyman this time of year. You don't want to see Wilkinson County, but if you got them outside of Irwinton, you got to feel at least decent. Unless you're playing them at the Macon Center Plucks, and you know uh, Wilkinson County, they don't they don't lose in state championship games, but they can lose outside of the centerplex and that's what's happened uh at least last year uh but this one wilcox county i I picked wilcox to win the state title this year uh i'm gonna stick with it Uh, i think they just built for it 80 to 63 over macon county and then wilkinson county won 74 63 over manchester christian lamar and jacob crockett are the two stars the two freak athletes that wilcox is gonna have to handle um but i i have faith in faith in desmond tisdall um Again, just a team that's been together forever and ever. Um, they got Howard, who puts up a lot of points. Uh, I want to say Keyshawn Howard, if I'm not mistaken, is his name. Uh, leads them in scoring at 14 points per game in their third leading score. Um, Jordan Brown, uh, 10 points a game. So I like Wilcox County. They're undefeated. Um, they got Wilco at home, which is really, really big. They're coming to Rochelle, Georgia. I'm going with Wilcox. I think it's going to be a, a really good game that's going to go down uh, to the final few possessions, but I'm sticking with the Patriots. In game number 32 of this podcast, number six, Calhoun County at number three, Hancock Central. Oh, man. Um, so this one's going to be played at Hancock Central. Uh, Hancock Central, very difficult to win at at home. Uh, for opposing teams and if I could pull this up real quick if they if they have this uh, they're tough at home they're 16 and 0 at home this year that that, that tells you something right there um, Calhoun County is a really good team they're the defending state champs uh, they're not gonna lay on their sword you know they're not going down lightly uh, I mean that's funny when you look at it Hancock Central undefeated at home but Calhoun County they're 9 and 0 on the road so something's got to give um, but I think Hancock Central uh, at home with the two little guards that can score a lot of points. Um, looking at it looks like uh, Leroy Wilson and then also uh, Jamal Taylor. Both those guys averaging over 15 points per game. You're gonna have to deal with Jamad Wiley and a Takavius Curry who's really good and have that championship pedigree. But at Hancock Central at home, long trip for Calhoun County. I like the Bulldogs at home. I think home court advantage, very crucial, especially in Class A public. Kyle, that would do it. 32 Elite Eight matchups on the boys' side previewed. Um, Games will begin shortly. Should be a good slate of games, some interesting matchups. As always, we thank you for listening. Um, Playoff Central, sandyspiel.com. On Twitter, at KyleSandy355, at SandySpiel. And we look forward to speaking with you, either for the girls' Elite Eight preview podcast coming out shortly after the boys podcast or for final four previews until that time on behalf of kyle this is ramin signing off